Calling all Quakers. We are back, Quaker Nation. I am Mickey Belgrad, and alongside me this week is my good friend Joey Pyatt, as always. After a special edition last week with Penn students and NFL interns Zach Dropkin and Sarah Hugh, we return to our traditional second base format this week for an NFL special edition of Quaker Nation. First, we're going to start off this beautiful Sunday with a Penn Roundup, which we admit is a bit more disappointing than we would usually hope for. But the bulk of the podcast is going to be spent discussing our contenders versus pretenders for the NFL. We're just about halfway through with the NFL season, and we're going to reflect on our preseason picks from episode one of the podcast and then make our predictions for the division winners and, you know, uh, who we think might actually make it to the Super Bowl in contenders versus pretenders. Next week, stay tuned for a special basketball edition of Quaker Nation. Penn men's and women's basketball have tipped off those seasons, and we're going to give our reactions to the respective starts of the seasons. And the NBA season has just tipped off as well with about a month of games to this point. We think we have a sizable data pool, you know, analyze and think about which teams are actually going to be contending for a championship late in the season or actually come together postseason. All right, like Nikki said, we're going to kick things off with our pen roundup. And this one's going to be focused kind of on the fall sports. We'll have a little bit of talk about basketball. Uh, but like you said, we're going to focus a lot on basketball next week and kind of do the full basketball debrief. But with a lot of the fall sports finishing up, we're going to do a quick check-in on how they were doing. Football uh, is what we'll start off with. Football lost to Harvard 23-7. And the game was a lot closer than the final score looks. And you know, check out uh, our coverage on that on the website um, if you want to read more about how that turned out. But, I mean, Penn kind of came out firing um, with an early trick play. They kind of tried to do something on and they actually had a good deep ball thrown by Ian Sam, but um, Josh Casilli kind of fumbled the ball, turned an interception, and Harvard was able to start in Penn's kind of a Penn side of the field. And field position battle really is where kind of Harvard kind of made their money against Penn. It was they were constantly starting in on Penn's side of the field, and because of that, they were able to mount short drives. And even though Penn had a pretty good defensive game, Harvard was able to get that 16 point win. Lost dropped Penn to three and six in the season. They're one and five in the Ivy League. That lone win coming against a Brown team that also has been too good this year. And another team just has one game left against Princeton. Uh, it, it is an opportunity for them to kind of finish the season out strong, kind of play for some pride and some momentum going into next year with a young quarterback at the helm. It's a good chance to build some confidence with him. And, and that's going to be the kind of the main storyline for Penn because since they're kind of out of Ivy League contention, since there really is no postseason for them, um, there's no playing for 500 or anything like that. It's going to be about playing for the momentum and kind of playing for next year. But kind of that's all about football. We'll have our Princeton predictions later on. But let's switch over to basketball that kind of started out and with a rough start to the season, although with the teams that were playing, it's hard to blame them. They played nationally, top 25 ranked Florida State in their first game. Florida State put up 100 points, and Penn lost by about 30. And then they lost to George Mason a few days later. But they got their first win of the season today, just a few hours ago, at Bucknell uh, in a pretty close game. Nick, you talk me through kind of what happened in that Bucknell game. We had big news from Jordan Dangle, Johnny Williams. Uh, walk me through what happened there. Yeah, so we saw early in the season, uh, obviously there were tough opponents, and it wasn't really close in either game, as you said, Joey. Uh, it was an 0-2 start, and, you know, Johnny Williams and Jordan Dingle still had good games. They shot the ball efficiently, uh, a little bit flip-floppy in either game, but in this game against a weaker Bucknell opponent, we saw that late in the game they were absolutely able to take it over. Jordan Dingle took it over along with John, Johnny Williams. Johnny was already having a great game and a very efficient uh, game this afternoon, but you know, once Jordan Dingle sort of got the team rolling and the momentum was really swinging in Penn's favor, Jelani and him, and him helped close the game out. Um, so I think, as we've sort of seen, Dingle is going to be the focal point of the offense this season. Um, he's the team's leading scorer, but I think what we've seen, he had seven games, uh, sorry, seven turnovers in those first two games. And I think, as we've, as we've seen, we, he needs to facilitate the ball a little bit more. He needs to get his good shooters involved. We see Jonah Charles is, is the best three-point shooter for the team right now. 
I'd love to see him, you know, just catch and shoot more because that's really where he's going to excel. Jelani Williams, like we said, is kind of like that two-piece to Jordan Dingle. They sort of need to work in tandem a little bit more, whereas they're playing a little bit too much iso ball at this point. Whereas if we see Jordan Dingle sort of say, okay, I'm looking to both score and pass the ball at the same time, rather than just when the ball is in my hands, I need to score the ball or I need to make a play. I think once we get into that free-flowing offense a little bit more and we're kicking out to shooters, that's when we're really going to see panic sell. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're right, Nick. I think this is a team that's kind of hard to evaluate just because there's a lot of guys that are returning that were really good. Um, two years ago, I mean, Jordan Dingle kind of came onto the scene as a freshman and really performed, as did guys like Lucas Monroe. Um, but then there was also guys like Lord, Max Lorca Lloyd, who's played a big role this season in the paint. And, um, you know, play, getting points in the paint has been a big thing for Penn this year so far in their success. So uh, there's a lot of unknowns here. And I think um, we're not going to know a lot about Penn until we really get to see, you know, what Coach Donahue's doing game in, game out. But I think, I think you're exactly right. Jordan Dingle um, has a lot of raw talent. He's a very talented player, and, and he can take over a game like you talked about, like he did today. Um, but there are also times where you know his shots aren't going to be falling, and I think that's when it's going to be helpful when he can get these other guys involved because Penn does have a deep roster. They have a lot of playmakers, a lot of guys that can shoot, like you said, Jonah Charles. Uh, he had a little bit of a down game today, but that's okay because you know you had guys like Jelani Williams and Jordan Dingle who can step mm-hmm. up, and then also you know Clark Slacker. He Instead of shooting, he had a rough shooting game a couple nights ago. Jordan Charles was shooting well. So I think this is a team that in the past, Penn has kind of been hurt when they haven't had their shooters on because they have limited shooting. But I think this is a much more balanced team, a lot more options. I think because of that, they're going to be able to play in these games when when one of their two guys isn't isn't shooting well. Yeah. A couple notes on that. I think uh, we've talked about this big narrative. You know, A.J. Broder, the the leading scorer for the program, is gone now. We see uh, Lorson Lloyd, who's replacing him. He's not the same sort of defensive anchor that Broder is. And likewise, he's not really there to just get Penn a free bucket whenever they want it. Normally, we'd see late in the shot clock, okay, give it to A.J. Broder, let him get his own bucket, let him work a little bit. We don't really have that guy now, and so it really takes work every single time to get that offense flowing. We need Jelani Williams to be aggressive, you know, Jordan Dingle to be aggressive, but not only looking to score, also getting to get other guys involved, you know, passing it down a little bit. Lloyd said Lloyd. Um, and yeah, so I think ultimately we're going to see this team gel together a lot better late in the season. But, you know, see, as you said, there's a lot of question marks remaining. Um, this team, more so than other teams, I think is not returning a lot of experienced players like uh, other teams around the nation who have a lot of fifth years and whatnot who decided to stick around. So I think Penn ultimately is just going to need some time to fill those big holes like, you know, Berger missing. But, um, you know, I think this team does have potential and it was a great win against Bucknell. Yeah, I, I'm very, I have very high hopes for this team. I think this team has a lot of potential. There's a lot of question marks collectively, but I think individually, um, there are a lot of players with a lot of different strengths and a lot of things that can play on each other. And I think that this team it, it has, has all the potential to win the Ivy League and, and, you know, kind of play close against some of these better teams. They have Villanova coming up in early December. So we'll really get a chance to see, you know, how much they have improved since that Florida State contest. But let's switch over to a different uh, basketball team. We'll, we'll talk about the women's team a little bit. They tipped off today, starting off their season against Hartford. And it, I mean, they pretty much came out to it. They got out to a 16 nothing lead and, and never looked back. They ended up scoring over 80 points. At one point, they were on pace for over 100. And this was just, you know, your classic um, Penn women's basketball game. I mean, early in the season last year, we saw them do the same thing to some of these um, lesser and non-conference opponents, the teams that quite are on the same level as Penn. And Kayla Padilla, um, once again, shot the ball really well. She was 4-6-3, and three, had over 20 points. We also saw a veteran, Mia Waxagawa out there and she scored 18 so two of them combined for 40 but this is also a deep women's team you had um, Jordan Obi making her Quakers debut um, Kennedy Suttle returning uh, but this is really just a deep team but uh, I think the story for them is going to be just building confidence during this light non-conference schedule before they play some of those better teams yeah switching over to squash which is another winter sport that's starting up a lot of potential for these teams 
uh, the men's team coming against the number one ranked team in the nation, and they really lived up to expectations this weekend. It was an absolutely busy weekend for them. Two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday for both the men's and the women. The men swept 9-0, 9-0, 9-0. Granted, they sort of had easier opponents uh, on Saturday, but today they played Dickinson, who's the 26th ranked team in the nation, swept them. Um, Andrew Douglas at the number one seed swept in most of his matches, and today we have a matchup against Franklin and Marshall for both the men's and women's, which is going to be another test for them the 15th seed in the nation, but, you know, I expect the men to take care of business. The women, on the other hand, struggled a little bit last night. They lost a heartbreaker to Drexel, who, granted, is a little bit better than their men's counterpart. Uh, they're the number six team in the nation, whereas our Penn women's team is number eight. Abu El and Nin sisters both lost heartbreakers, um, which absolutely, which tipped the scale, actually, um, in, in Drexel's favor, giving them to win 5-4. But, you know, I'm have a lot of expectations for these teams, obviously. They're both top 10 in the nation, and they obviously have great players like uh, Andrew Douglas and other stars who fill out the, the depth team for the men's especially. Yeah, and then one one final note on women's volleyball, they actually closed out um, Coach Mary Schumann's first season at the helm with a, a home sweep against Cornell and Columbia. Um, this is a team that you know is below 500, um, not going to do anything in terms of the Ivy League race, but this is a rebuilding program that was able to get some nice momentum going into next year and show some good signs of growth in, in that home finale. Okay, like we said at the top of the podcast, we're going to spend the bulk of this episode really just diving into the NFL, reflecting on our Super Bowl and Conference Championship picks, and then we're going to be going into our division winners, sort of seeding the playoffs and thinking about which teams are really making tenders versus pretenders. Um, so, Joey, I think first off, let's just think about a little bit of our preseason picks, what we sort of thought about at the beginning of the season versus what we think now. For me personally, in the NFC, I had the Packers over the Rams. Um, it's not looking like a horrible bet, but honestly, the Cardinals totally caught me off guard. Um, I really didn't see this this start coming at all uh, in Week 10 right now. They're 8-1. They're injury-ridden. Um, they've lost J.J. Watt. Currently, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins aren't completely healthy. And so we're going to see how this team really shapes out. In the end of the season, I think a recurring theme for this entire sort of podcast is going to be it's a long season. A lot of teams have injuries, and it's really might just be a matter of who's healthy at the end of the season to come playoff time. Yeah, and I, I also had um, I had the Packers pick in the NFC Championship. I had the Bucks over them. Um, like I said, Nicky Mueller's picks and you know is, is ridiculous at this point. And the AFC, I had the, Char- I had the Chargers over the Chiefs. Um, that Chiefs pick is looking a little bit interesting now, but I mean, this is a long season, like Nikki said, and the Chiefs are definitely a team. We're talking about this a little bit later um, that I think can pick up the pieces, you know, flip some of the things that have been hurting them and easily make a run towards conference championship. Now, so the Chargers, uh, we'll talk about the Chargers a little bit later too, uh, <laughs> about how maybe I was a little, maybe a year too soon on picking them, but I think overall, uh, we did okay so far, and I think that there's still a chance for all of our teams to, to be in there. Yeah, well, Joe, I might have to stop you a little bit there. Um, was a little bit hesitant to get this. In the AFC, I have the Chiefs over the Browns, and so that really did not shape up. But, you know, I'm going to get to the Browns in our in-depth little Brown checking at the, at the uh, concluding segment of this podcast. But, you know, they've really been injury-ridden this week. Uh, they got absolutely decimated by the Patriots. It's really not a good week for Browns Nation, not a good week for Stefanski, who... Granted, you know, didn't really have some of his star players, but after releasing Odell Beckham Jr., you sort of expect something better than this, better offensive game planning. They really didn't do anything against the Patriots, and they absolutely got gutted on defense. Um, You know, that defense has not lived up to expectations, which, again, I'm going to talk about a little bit later, but ultimately the Browns just disappointed. Don't have Chubb again. Mayfield gets hurt. Uh, I I hope they can squeeze squeeze into the playoffs, but it's really going to depend on their health. Um, and the Chiefs, absolutely, I, I don't know what to say about them. They, they kind of stunned everyone in the NFL, I think. 
Um, Mahomes just looks like a completely different player. He looks overconfident. He looks cocky. He's making sloppy plays, kind of just slinging it down the field and hoping for the best. Um, Travis Kelsey's kind of disappeared. So my Super Bowl pick for the Chiefs is looking horrible. But uh, on the other hand, you put the Bucks. Um, how are you feeling about that pick? I feel like the Bucks are a team that can kind of go under the radar all, all year. I don't think that anyone's talking about them the same way they're talking about the Cardinals. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people talking about a lot of different teams, and the Bucks are always a team that, even with all the stars on their team, even the fact that Tom Brady is leading them, and this is a team that's, that's still doing well for the most part, I, I think they're flying under the radar. I think they're going to fly all the way under the radar, win that division, go into the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens. You know, maybe they get a game, you know, at Lambeau Field, um, depending on where the seeding flies, and then, you know, maybe they're in trouble versus... You know, maybe they get an easy first-round matchup and they're kind of able to advance. But I think this team is definitely one that's still, still like very much in the thick of it. Yeah, I think uh, one of the points of the episode today is kind of going to go through the nitty-gritty of what we think the division winners are going to be, how we think the playoff picture is going to begin to shape up. And so we can see a lot of things are going to depend on, you know, home field advantage, who gets the first round by, matchups. You know, matchups matter so much in football. And if you get the right matchup a couple of weeks, you know, you have a high-powered rushing attack and you go up against a team that can't defend, defend the rush at all. Then you control the ball the entire game and you end up winning. You know, that's what we saw the Titans do last year with Derrick Henry. So you really don't know what's going to happen come playoff time. And it's really about squeezing into the playoffs. Um, so I think let's start going through our division winners and we'll get a clearer sense of, you know, who who's actually going to be in the thick of things come uh December and January and February. Yeah, and I know for a lot of these we have the same picks, so it's no lowest time of it. But I know yeah. for the first two divisions we we have some discrepancies there. Um, yeah. Starting the AFC West, you're talking a little bit of the Chiefs. Um, you have the Chiefs winning the division. I have the Chargers still sticking out. Walk me through a little bit what you think of the Chiefs there. Yeah, I, like I said, it's a long season, and I'm just not going to lose faith in the Chiefs. I think I don't have faith for them in the Super Bowl. I'm totally abandoning that pick. Don't get me wrong, but I think they're they're going to be one of those teams that might be able to scrap together. Uh, it's a division that's still really really close. I think it's about a half game or a game within the Chiefs or and the Broncos and the Raiders and the Chargers. So it's a really close one, but I just thought the Chiefs, I think uh, the playmaking of Patrick Mahomes is too much to sort of overlook at this point. Yes, like I said, he's leading or close to leading the league in interceptions. He's been making those sloppy plays, but that's not really anything that they can't correct. I think they obviously have potential. You know, Super Bowl winners a couple years ago made it to three straight AFC championships. I think they're obviously going to be there in some degree. You know, it's just going to be a matter of can they limit turnovers? Can they limit penalties? Can their defense defend at all? Because <laughs> they really don't really have any playmakers on defense right now. They're not stopping anything. You know, I mean, stop the Packers with Jordan Love, who literally cannot make any passes at all. But um, for me, it's kind of just I'm believing in the Chiefs. Um, and until they disprove me, and Patrick Mahomes dis- continues to disprove me in what is a long season with seven weeks remaining, I think, you know, they'll be able to squeeze out four or five wins and maybe get into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, the Chiefs. I think that they, they I, I have them going to the playoffs. Um, and, and weirdly enough, I honestly think that the Chiefs are more likely to win the Super Bowl than they are to win this division. Mm. I just see them as like putting the pieces together, but not doing quite enough. I think the Chargers are going to win games during the regular season, but I don't see them being able to necessarily win mm. in the playoffs on that stage this year. I think, you know, Brandon Staley, I have, I, I have a lot of faith in him as a coach. I think this Herbert led offense is very good, but I think this team is still a year away from getting. Getting that experience, I think they need to play on the stage to learn what it takes, um, put together a successful season this year so they can look back on that next year as they're kind of making that playoff push. But Mahomes has done it. He knows what to do. Andy Reid knows it. He knows how to get it done. So I think this is a team that, you know, they're not going to beat the Chargers maybe in terms of like the record this year. I think maybe they're a game or two behind. They come in second in the division, but I think they sneak into the wild card, get that first round upset, and I could easily see them kind of picking up the pieces, flipping that turnover margin, taking care of what they need to do, getting just enough stops on defense 
and Mahomes making one or two clutch plays, and all of a sudden we're looking at them as the Super Bowl champions. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on the Chiefs, but I think they're a, sort of a rare case right now where they're kind of coming down from this great three-year stretch where we're sort of seeing, you know, players get older, other teams get better, and it's kind of the same core of the Chiefs player. And so I think there's a strong argument to say, you know, they're just worn out in this, you know, in the NFL terrain right now, you really only have a three-, four-year window besides, you know, the Patriots, which are the absolute anomaly of NFL history. Um, you really just don't see teams making deep playoff runs for three, four, five consecutive years. So we might see, you know, this is sort of the tail end of this era of the Chiefs, but we might see, obviously, Mahomes very, very young. Um, he has a long career ahead of them. And so I think, again, I'm, I'm looking at the Chiefs, you know, I think they're going to squeeze in there. Um, they're still a really good team with, obviously, great players. Um, but I'm, I don't see a Super Bowl uh, for them in the future at all, next two, three years, I think. Yeah, they're sort of on the tail end of that um, dynasty, and so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, jumping over kind of to the AFC East, where we have another kind of favorite in terms of someone that's expected to be a real competitor. That's the Bills. That's who you have winning the division. Mm -hmm. I have gone a different route. I've taken the Patriots. Um, this is a team that kind of started out, and everybody was not quite sure what to expect. People were disappointed last year with the Patriots. Um, they expected Cam Newton to kind of come in, be able to kind of pick up the torch, not necessarily right away with Tom Brady having to be as successful, but people thought it would be a playoff team, one that could be competitive. Um, that ended up not being the case, but Mac Jones has kind of come in, shown a lot of poise. They haven't asked him to do too much. Um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of guys around him like the way that, you know, you might have with Patrick Mahomes, but I think that I think Mac Jones can get the job done. I think that this is a team that they're building, they're doing, I mean, we saw what they did to the Browns today, what they've done to other teams. Um, they've built a lot of comps, they've looked a lot better, and they've continually improved, so I could see them sneaking up and winning this division. Yeah, I think um, you point to the key difference between the Patriots this year and last season in that they have a quarterback who can throw the ball. So Mac Jones is sufficient in the way that almost you know all Belichick quarterbacks are sufficient in some way. You know, Tom Brady comes out and some random replacement Jacoby Brissett comes in and you know gets a three and one start. Belichick can make it work with guys who can work in his system. If that makes sense, he's good enough of a coach to adapt his game plan to his personnel. And so I think we're sort of seeing that. He sort of hit on some draft picks finally after like a seven, eight-year drought of doing that. And we can see the Patriots are definitely like a real threat, a uh, real defensive prowess. And obviously, the offense is clicking. They they really can rack up points on the board. Um, we saw them stop the Jets. We, we saw them stomp the Browns today. But for me, the AFC East is all about the Bills. Um, I don't know what happened that that game against the Jaguars. Like, I, I don't even know what happened. But it's a long season. That's my excuse. Flukes happen. I see it as an outlier. This is a Bills team where Josh Allen is, is going to be playing like an MVP candidate the rest of the season. Um, it's a great defense, as we've seen. Ryan Dable, great coach. Um, I, I really like what he does a lot. They have some key players on defense. Stefan Diggs is a playmaker. It's really just going to be a matter of them making plays. We know they're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to need to win those key matchups late in the season, which I believe they do have the potential to do that. Yeah, and you talked about that like Jaguars game. I think that's been a big theme this year. And I think, mm -hmm. honestly, uh, I think NFL, I think what it boils down to is NFL is behaving a lot like college football generally does, and that you have, um, you know, I've talked a lot about college football on this podcast, but, um, you know, I watch a lot of it. I mean, a lot of these teams that are really good have one loss during the season, and they can afford one loss in college football. You can really only afford one, but they'll drop a game. You know, a team will drop a game to so a team that's much worse than them on paper. Alabama did this year against Texas AM, but we still don't think that team's any lesser. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, the matchup just doesn't fit right that, you know, maybe the atmosphere, you know, you're playing at someone else's stadium. Um, a lot of factors go into these games. I think normally the NFL is, is immune to that generally just because these are professionals. Um, they're, they've kind of played the game many years. They have that better experience. But I think this year more than ever, anybody's capable of being anybody. We saw the Jets get some surprising wins. We've seen the Dolphins get some surprising wins. 
Jaguars, teams that weren't expected to beat these teams, but they've been able to do it. And I think that's just, I think there's more parity in the NFL this year. I think mm-hmm. a lot more can happen. I think things are just more uncertain. Yeah, it's definitely an odd NFL season. And I think there's a little bit more of that calculus going on between teams of like, oh, it's a long season. And we saw what the Bucks did last week. Uh, sorry, last season, especially after their bye week, they didn't lose a game after that. And so I think a lot of teams are being like, oh, maybe we should, you know, not try too much against in this game or another game. We, we see trap games just a lot in the NFL where you sort of have a big game, a primetime game the next week. And so you sort of overlook your opponent this week. Um, and, I, you know, that, that definitely could be happening. It, it absolutely happens uh, over a 17-game season. Whoops, absolutely do happen. You know, I think we've seen in the, in the past couple of weeks with these crazy upsets. But, you know, the Ravens are definitely a victim of, of that. But I, I don't really think it affects my standing of them. They have Lamar Jackson. They have a great defense. They've sort of been a contender for the past two or three years. But I think we've only seen Lamar Jackson get better. He's sort of in a different case where Patrick Mahomes, where he sort of hasn't really broken through. His team hasn't really broken through. But I think this year, it was going to be one of their best opportunities. I think obviously the the injuries at the beginning of the season hurt them a lot. But I still think that Lamar Jackson in the playoffs is just a difference maker. And he is one of the best players in the NFL right now. I think we've sort of seen the, the narrative fatigue as the term we've sort of coined where people are kind of a little bit tired of saying, oh, can Lamar Jackson break through? Is he going to win a playoff game? Well, we saw we saw him win playoff games, but now the question is, is he going to win a Super Bowl? People don't really want to talk about that that much, but that narrative is still very much there. Lamar Jackson is good enough to win a Super Bowl. I, I don't think there's, I mean, in my mind, there's no debate there. He, he is that special of a player. He is just phenomenal. And so I think if the Ravens are in the playoffs, they're going to be a threat. But I think we both have them uh, taking this division. Joey, take me through your logic a little bit. In this yeah, league. I mean, I'm right there with you, Nikki. I mean, I don't think I can add anything other than, you know, I think Lamar Jackson, like you said, he is good enough. I think that he's one of the best players in the NFL. He's one of the biggest difference makers. I think he flies under the radar. If it's even possible to say that. Just in comparison to a lot of these other players, I think people have lower expectations for Lamar Jackson. I think they appreciate his talent as a player, but kind of underestimate him as a leader. Someone that can make plays when the, when the game needs him to. And I think that, honestly, John Harbaugh, I really have a lot of respect for him as a coach. I think that he knows how to manage his team. He knows how to manage their strengths. He knows how to work around their weaknesses. And we see Lamar Jackson running all over defense this year when, you know, the Ravens don't have that running back they can go to. Um, they've had sort of a committee approach, and it's worked for them. They've mm-hmm. done so far. I mean, things have been going well. I mean, obviously, they've dropped some games, just like all these other teams. But I really do think the Ravens can make plays when it counts. I think they can take teams to the wire. And I think that's all you need to do. I mean, at the end of the day, I think you can keep things close and you have a playmaker yeah. that can make those plays at the end of the game. You have a, just a good shot at anybody to make it happen. Yeah. Um, on that topic, we're going to switch gears a little bit, go to the AFC South where we're going to be discussing the Titans. So they're kind of a, a weird case where they're 7-2. and two. To my knowledge, they beat the Saints today. I'm actually going to check that score right now. Okay, they did. So they're sitting at 8-2. and two. Derrick Henry has a torn ACL. What do we think of this team, really? I think they're going to win the division, obviously. They sort of uh, took care of business. They won that game against the Colts. Very, very important game a couple weeks ago. It was an absolute standout game. I encourage you to go back and watch the the highlights. Um, But I think they sort of wrapped up this division. And so it's kind of weird because they are probably going to win the division, but they might not be the best team in this division right now. I think the Colts are right there behind them. They're really complete. I think Carson Wentz is still doing idiotic things, but for the most part, he's playing Pretty solid, and the offense is really clicking. We see their ability to score points. Michael Pittman is really standout. Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the NFL. They have one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. Still a great defense, a great coach. So it's sort of weird where I definitely believe in the Titans. 
But with no Derrick Henry, the question remains, you know, can they really make a deep playoff push? And, you know, give me your thoughts on this, Joey. Yeah, I think that the Titans are an interesting team. I don't I think that they, and we saw their playoff push a little while ago that they made. Um, they're kind of the Cinderella team back then. I think they're not under the radar anymore. They're front and center. They had a really gritty win today. Ryan Tannehill was kind of dealing with it. And Elvis Friday was able to still come out and have a good team win. I feel like the Titans are a good team win kind of team. I think that they're well balanced, you know, especially without Derek Henry. They don't really have anyone to kind of put the team on his shoulders and take care of business. I think this is a team that can still win games. I think I don't think there's any concern of them not winning this division at all. I mean, I don't think I mean, the Colts are probably the next the next threat to be able to do that. But I don't see them as someone that can, you know, unseat the Titans there. I think the question is going to be in a playoff game against, you know, playing the Chiefs or playing the Chargers or playing the Ravens. Can Ryan Tannehill, you know, take care of the football? Can he move the offense enough? Can they have a balanced enough attack to be able to kind of keep defenses on his toes? I think that's going to be the question. I think we're not going to have that answer until the postseason. I don't think we're going to know for sure whether the Titans can be contenders um, until then. And I think that if I had to pick a side right now, I'd say that they probably will just come up short just because without their Henry, they just don't have that balance and they don't have that kind of difference maker that they need. Yeah. So I think we're going to switch gears a little bit now, transition to the NFC and, you know, sort of lay the, the groundwork for that before we go into our specific playoff brackets, break down the specific contenders, pretenders a little bit. So for the NFC West, I think we both have the Cardinals sort of taking this division. But it's going to be close. The Rams, only a game behind. Um, what do we think? Do we think Cardinals are significantly better? They sort of have this wrapped up? Or do we see a scenario where the Rams could sort of stay behind them? I mean, I think if I had to pick a team in the playoffs, um, it's kind of a, a weird exercise to do, but I think if I had to put two teams on the field in a playoff situation, I'm taking the Rams nine times out of ten in this matchup. I think the Cardinals, though, I think they have a lot of talent. I think their coaching, I think Cliff Kingsbury is doing a good job. I don't think he gets enough credit necessarily sometimes. But it's still a team that I feel like everybody's kind of still hedging their bets a little bit, and it's still not quite sure, you know, can they actually do it? I think everyone's kind of waiting for kind of the shoe to drop on this team and for, for something to happen where we say, Oh, yep, the Cardinals were pretending just like we all thought. I think everybody's looking for that moment to happen. I think a lot of people thought it was going to happen against the Packers a few weeks ago, but it didn't. I remember we talked with Zach and Sarah about it, and that was kind of what people were expecting. You know, the Packers would come out, put the Cardinals, you know, in their place as maybe that third team in the division, not quite good enough kind of to beat one of those top two teams. But I think that we should be giving the Cardinals credit until until they prove otherwise. I think people are just looking for them to prove they're, they're not up to it. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Joey, but I'm sort of scared this is going to end up being one of those teams that in the postseason faces a bad matchup and everyone goes, oh, well, they were pretending the whole season, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we've seen that with the Ravens, you know, for the past couple of years where Lamar Jackson just doesn't seem ready in the playoffs. You know, Josh Allen, a couple of years ago, uh, just didn't seem really ready for the moment. And so it, it's possible that that's going to happen to Kyrie Murray. We really just don't know, but... Aside from that one question mark, I mean, they've got DeAndre Hopkins. They've got a top defense right now. They have so many great skill players right now. We saw James Conner, like, literally take over a football game. Like, I, I, like that was just insane. He looked like a top five running back in the league. Like, if you didn't know who that was and someone random was just watching a football game, they would say, who is that guy? He looks like the best player on the field. Nobody can tackle him. He looks like, like a monster. Um, so he is just, like... A random dude, they're, what, second-string running back on that team. So they, they look really complete. They're absolutely taking care of business. But yet again, I, I don't know if I can trust them. The yeah, I think, Nikki, you made a, a probably, you made a really good point in saying this is a team that I feel like could go all the way, and maybe they face a team in that first round that, you know, can just overwhelm them. Obviously, they wouldn't be playing. They can't play the Patriots, Patriots AFC, but I feel like a team like the Patriots that has a strong defense, that has a quarterback that can get plays done, could squeak out a win like that. And maybe that is 
Um, I don't know what team that would be in the playoffs for them, but I think that that could happen. I think people would just, you know, falsely claim they're pretenders kind of wrongly later yeah, yeah. And, and kind of have a good season, kind of not be appreciated for what it was just because of that bad matchup. Yeah, so we're going to run through the rest of the NFC pretty quick here because uh, we're going to discuss sort of the, the layout of this a little bit more. But for the NFC East, we both agree that the Cowboys are sort of going to take this. This is a little clear and cut. Or <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it gets any more clear cut in terms of NFL divisions this year. I think that... I mean, there's not another team over 500. The division, actually, if you look at the standings and pull it up, you're almost getting a flashback to 2020, except the Cowboys' numbers would be flipped if it was 2020. <laughs> I think if, if the Cowboys were sitting there with their record flipped, we're looking at you know a 2020 season all over again, but the only difference is all these other teams are still struggling. The Cowboys are not. They actually have one of the best offenses in the league. Dak is back to health, we think, for now. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're going to talk about them a little more later, so we'll probably save that for during our contenders, pretenders. Yeah, but yeah. They, there's a lot to talk about the Cowboys. Yeah, and no, I think similarly, we think uh, Packers are going to wrap up their division pretty weak with the uh, Vikings being an okay team. They might eke it into the playoffs, but, you know, they're really not going to challenge the Green Bay at all. Uh, similarly with the Bears, they're, I don't I don't even know if to say the Bears. Yeah, I, think I, I bet against the Bears every chance I get. I um, think we got back-to-back-to-back <laughs> kind of sure bets here, because I think we're both also taking the Bucs. I don't yeah. think we... See, um, you know, another team that's going to unseat them. I think that these three divisions, I like the ones we just spent all this time talking about, are, are pretty clear cut. I don't know if there's a team, the second tier team kind of feels like there's there's kind of a bigger gap. Yeah, so I think we're, we're really, we've divvied down the NFC to maybe five or six teams. We'll talk about maybe the Seahawks later, we're getting Russell Wilson back. But, you know, I think we're really just going to be discussing who in that conference can really make it to the Super Bowl, who's going to be an actual threat, which we're really going to be getting into now. So I think first, Let's break down our playoff brackets. Um, we're going to be going into our second segment now. So I'm going to start off with the AFC. I'm just going to run through it really quickly. This is sort of my Cinderella sword joke. If we look at the Titans schedule, okay, they're 8-2 right now. They just beat the Saints in a pretty tough game. It, it wasn't necessarily a must-win because, you know, this division is, is pretty much over like we sort of discussed. But the remaining schedule has the Texans twice, the Jaguars, the 49ers, and the Dolphins. They could theoretically win five, all five of those games. Okay, let's say let's say they win four. That's twelve and five. They have a, a, a couple other games which are really five hundred ones, uh, a couple division games. So I'm really erring on the side of safety here. And let's say that the Titans finish twelve and five. That might be good enough for a first round buy because the Bills are really slacking right now. They're six and three. I have them finishing second at eleven and six. Then I have the Ravens. We sort of. Uh, haven't discussed this much, but they're just in such a tough division. I mean, the Browns obviously got decimated today. It was not pretty, but they're still a solid team. The Steelers are still a solid team without Big Ben today, uh, who's going to be back from COVID pretty soon. Obviously, still have Tomlin. He's always a safe bet. He's never had a lead the season in his NFL career. Plus, the Bengals, up and coming. So many skilled players. Joe Burrow is really one of the future stars of the league. So I think that division, it's just tough. I, I think the Ravens are still the best team in that uh, division, but you know, it's not going to be easy for them. So I had them at 10 and 7, and then really eking it in, the Chiefs at 9 and 8. I, I really don't like that division. I think it's pretty ugly, and I don't think there's a clear favorite. I think basically everyone in that conference, or sorry, in that division is a pretender, but we're going to get a little bit into that later. Um, and then I, I think the Patriots are a really strong team as well. Um, they're really looking like one of the best teams in the AFC, and you really would not want to go into Foxborough, uh, especially if the Patriots have home field advantage in the playoffs. Um, so I think it's going to be important for the Bills to close that games late in the season for them. But, um, yeah, so that's a little bit of my the top of the AFC for me. What about you, Joey? Yeah, so going to my AFC, it kind of looks pretty similar. I have the Titans sitting at the top. I just think, like you said, Nikki, I think that where the record sits, 
and where where their schedule is still left, I think mm-hmm. they have the most opportunities to get wins down the stretch. Now, do I think the Titans are a better team than the Ravens? Not at all, but I think the Ravens, like you said, are in a tougher division. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the Ravens coming in at number two, but um, you know, I could see any of these kind of after the Titans, I could see any team kind of taking that spot. Mm-hmm. And then I have the Chargers. I think they'll get enough wins at the, in that division. And then I have the Patriots sneaking in there. I think that the Patriots are a team that they might drop a game they shouldn't. They might win win a game they shouldn't. But I think by the end of the season, they're going to be a complete team. They can play games. That's why I have them kind of winning that division. And then kind of rounding it out, I have Bills, Raiders, Chiefs, and Colts. I think the Colts sneak in there. I think that I don't think anyone thinks the Colts are a threat to kind of win the Super Bowl. But I think that I could, that's a team that I just feel like, how did they not make the playoffs this year? I feel like they're going to sneak in. Um, and they could even give a team trouble in the first round, although I don't, I don't see that happening. But I, I do see them kind of being all sneak in there. Yeah, I think aside from our Chiefs-Chargers disagreement, we do have the ACs shaping up pretty similarly. I, I also have the Colts fighting in there. I think they're honestly a really good team in the AFC. They, they really just don't have enough, I think, this year. But, yeah, I mean, with Wentz, I, I don't think Wentz is going to win you Super Bowl, to be honest. But they, they really do have a complete team, and I, I wouldn't want to face it in the playoffs. Besides that, I think our AFCs are pretty similar. Switching over to the NFC... This one is a little bit, like we said, more clear-cut. The Cardinals, I really think, are just going to take care of business the rest of the season. They're looking really strong right now. I have them finishing it at a monstrous 14-3, the best record in the NFL, closely followed by the Cowboys, who just in the NFC East have such an easy schedule. They're really just able to put up points on the board so easily. Um, I have them finishing at 13-4, then followed by the Packers and the Bucks, like we said, our four division winners. Um, then I have the Rams at 11 and six. I really think that this is just a great team. They're going to be able to rack up wins um, and definitely squeeze into the playoffs. And then a little bit more question marks. It's a really weak NFC. We sort of look at these like six, seven teams, and you're like, wait, what? Like the Vikings are going to be a playoff team? Like the Saints are going to be a playoff team? But that's kind of what we're left with here. Um, I have the Saints and the Seahawks squeezing in, where Russell Wilson is is back from injury, and I just think. I'm going to trust him. I think he's an MVP candidate when he's healthy. He has DK Metcalf. He has Tyler Lockett. Granted, I don't think they have much else, but it's a regular season, and I think they'll be able to eke out some wins when it matters most, not to say that they're going to make uh, any deep pushes. Um, Joey, how does your NFC shape out? Yeah, so I, I have the Cardinals up at the top. I think that this is a team that I, I do think they're going to stay there. I think that right now they're at the front. I don't see them dropping. I think it's a team that I do, honestly, I see the most likely scenario being the one we talked about where they drop a contest in the playoffs and, their season's kind of wrong and mislabeled, but I do have them taking care of business. The Cowboys, just because of their division and where their wins stack up, have them at number two. And then I have the Packers and Bucks kind of round it, round it out as the division winners that they predicted. Then I kind of have the Rams, um, St. Seahawks, those kinds of teams being able to sneak in there. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Seahawks are a team that I'm very intrigued by. I, I just don't know. I feel like this is a team that no one's going to expect to be a, a very good team when they get into the playoffs if they're able to sneak in there. But I think they could give a team a lot of trouble in, in, in that opening matchup. Yeah, I, I'm just buying into the narrative. You know, Russ is back. He's going to be motivated. I'm sure he's mad that he got injured, honestly, and that he couldn't be out there on the field. So I have them eking into the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. But um, I think now that we sort of have a lay of the land, we're going to go into our, our little game of the podcast called Pretender or Contender. Where we're just going to run through some of the teams, talk about whether we think they actually have a shot at making it to a championship game, making it to the Super Bowl, or whether we think this is going to be, you know, first round out. Uh, come playoff time. So I think we both agreed that the Rams, the Cardinals, Bills, and the Bucks are all contenders. I think all these teams have really shown that they're complete. They have stars in both offense and defense. Uh, they have good coaches, and you know they're really just going to be in the mix come playoff time. Yeah, now we'll kind of jump into some of these teams that it could go either way. And I know Nikki and I agree on some, have, have kind of differing opinions on some, but the first team we're going to talk about is the Ravens. We've talked about them a lot. I think Nikki and I both have them down 
as a contender, it really boils down to everything we've said. So we don't spend too much time mm-hmm. on it. But I think that, I mean, Lamar Jackson, the difference maker, this team's well coached. They're a great program. We heard Zach kind of talk about last week or two weeks ago in it, that the Ravens are, are a program that, you know, uses analytics. It's very well run. The organization puts a lot of emphasis into what happens on the football field. And they mm-hmm. really focus a lot on the math behind it, the football behind it. They're kind of just a, an organization that takes things seriously. It's very advanced. I, I put trust in the organization, the team, the coach, and, and ultimately Lamar Jackson, the player. Yeah, they, they're kind of like a Chiefs light almost where they have that great difference maker at uh, QB. They obviously have a better defense than I think the Chiefs have ever had. And they sort of had that deep ball threat in uh, Marquise Brown. They obviously have the stable force in Mark Andrew, who, who's one of the best Titans in the league. And then sort of that rotating cast of running backs, which I don't even know who's running the ball for them. But I think they're probably saying, we don't care because it's analytics and we don't really care about running backs. We have Lamar and he's our guy. And, you know, when you have Lamar, I think he's shown he can probably even make more of an impact on in terms of making the defense adapt to him than maybe any other player in the league, just in terms of his dual threat ability and the way that you need to defend his running. Um, And so, you know, that opens up the deep threat. And I think the Ravens are just going to be really tough, honestly. I think, like you said, they're a well-coached team. They're very disciplined. They're very tough. And I think come playoff time, they're going to be ready for about any matchup. They're probably bitter about the last couple of years and have those shaped out. So I think they're going to be motivated as a unit and really want to get wins. So we both have them down as contenders. Um, let's shift a little bit and go into the Chargers, uh, your, your team. Talk me through them, Joey. Yeah. I'm a little bit surprised here. Yeah, I think we both, we both the Ravens are contenders. We both have Chargers as pretenders here. And I think that is, I think the Chargers, um, Tanner's label fits them well just because, I mean, this is a team that's very good. They're doing very well this season. They've had a lot of success. Everyone likes Brandon Staley. Everyone likes Justin Herbert. Um, but I just think they're a year away. And I, you know, when I give the praise to start of the year, I said it could be a year away. This could be a team that really needs to build on things. But um, I just feel like their ceiling is that AFC Championship. I don't see them getting into the AFC Championship, playing a team like the Bills, and being able to win that game to go to the Super Bowl. I think that I can see them getting to the AFC Championship pretty well. Um, pretty easily. I just I think they could take care of us to get there. Um, but I feel like that that that's the best of the ceiling of this team feels like for me. And I just think that um, I think that they're gonna have to battle it out. And I don't I just don't see them being able to kind of push it to that next level to win a Super Bowl. Which which honestly to come on top of these thirty two teams in this league, uh, it, it takes a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say it's not a knock on the Chargers at all. But you know they're just a young team. Justin Herbert. It's his only his second season in the NFL. It, it takes a second to to really develop. Um, you know, I think they're not going to really be getting a home field advantage uh, late in the playoffs. They're probably not going to get that first round by. Um, if they do squeeze out the division, I think they're probably in a much better place. But I agree. I think envisioning them winning two, three games in the postseason against these tough AFC teams, I just really don't see that happening. This defense hasn't really shown anything to me. They've gotten gutted by a couple, uh, a couple teams like the Browns, who we've really seen are, are not all that. Um, so I think they're pretenders here and yeah, I think we can mark off chargers for Super Bowl champions this year. Um, switching gears a little bit, we're going to go over to my team, the Cowboys, who I'm going to make the argument for as contenders. They are just absolutely explosive. Um, we talk about just their offense pretty unstoppable. I really think Dak is benefiting from just all the skill players that he has. He has Tony Pollard in the backfield. He has Ezekiel Elliott, obviously in the backfield. Michael Gallup is coming back. Who's a guy we haven't seen at all this season. A year or two ago, before C.D. Lamb came in and, and made the huge difference that he's making, he was the number two guy right behind right behind Amari Cooper. Um, so I think when you look at that receiving core combined with their tight end uh, core, as well as Cedric Wilson, who's a big playmaker, I think their offense is just absolutely amazing. Plus on defense, I'm seeing things from the Cowboys that I haven't seen in years. Our turnover differential is amazing. We're blocking punts. 
we're just absolutely crushing teams when we have to. Obviously, we had that Broncos loss uh, a week ago, which was, in my opinion, one of those fluke games. Um, I think the Cowboys, you know, they were on a huge win streak. They blew a game. It, it was kind of a weird one, but I don't think it really exposed anything in the Cowboys that we didn't know. Um, they obviously don't have a great defense, but it's a defense that needs to make plays when the offense is cruising. And, you know, I think they can do that. I think... Yeah, I think they're going to win the division easily. Uh, we're going to see if they can even make a play for the first time by, obviously, finishing up the, the schedule with some NFC East opponents. Um, so I think, you know, if they have a right matchup in the playoffs and they're playing elite defense, they can put 40 points on the board pretty easily and advance the next round. So I think they're going to be a threat just because of that. But, you know, if they play Bucks in Tampa Bay or, you know, play the Rams, it's going to be tough maybe to, to put some points on the board. But as long as they can do that, I think they're, you know, really a wild card team in that respect. Yeah, Nick, I, mean, I agree with you that I think that Broncos loss was a fluke. Like you said, when you're winning six straight, I mean, that's tough to do in the NFL. And, and making a seven, um, that feels like almost impossible thing to be able to do, win seven straight in the NFL against all these teams. Because even the worst teams in the NFL are still a group of professional football mm-hmm. players, the best yeah. in the planet. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, that's just a fluke off. Dak still might not have been fully healthy in that game. And who knows if he was having trouble pushing off that back foot, you know, getting incomplete throws. But I think with Dak healthy, this is a team that can be in the NFC Championship. Um, I, I like when the Cowboys are a good team. I think it's better for for the NFL and just being able to cheer on the sport. I think I, I or, like, or hate them. <laughs> yes, I, I like I like watching the Cowboys. I like having them. You know, being a top team. I think that people are, we're really missing something when the NFC East is a down division. I think that's what we have missed these past two years. I mean, I think when you have you know at the end of the season the Eagles or the Giants mm-hmm. or you know Washington or the Cowboys all playing against each other, competing for a playoff spot. I think that's where it gets exciting. I think it's, all, it's like some of the best stuff in the NFL. But the Cowboys are running away with it. I just don't see them being able to kind of take over a game against the Rams team or against the yeah. Bucks team or one of these really just complete teams. I mean, you look at the Rams, that's that's just a complete team, and they're not even leading their division right now. Um, I, I think this is a team that, like the Chargers, I feel like they're peaking in the NFC Championship. I can see them getting there pretty easily, but I just can't see them pushing to that upper echelon needing to get to that Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's kind of a strange year in, in the respect that I don't really know who the elite defenses of the NFL are. Like, I don't know who I'm scared to face in the playoffs with that maybe the Bucks, I would say, or something like that in the NFC. But, you know, I, I don't really know if there's a team that I'm like, oh, they're going to shut down the Cowboys. I think it's going to be sort of on the offense and how explosive they can be. Um, so for that, in, in that regard, I think I, I see them as a contender just because, you know, it's possible they get that first run by, you know, obviously the Cardinals in that tough division. Like we said, Russell Wilson back. They have some games against um, just tough opponents in, in the, the AFC West. But the Cowboys, on the other hand, just really easy opponents. And if they end up getting that first round by playing home in Dallas, you know, fans are going to be going absolutely crazy. We haven't seen playoff games in Dallas for a long time. And so I, I kind of just think of it, you know, you never know what happens. There's not a lot of great teams in the NFC. Um, and I think, you know, if they play a Packers team. Are we really trusting the Packers defense to, you know, stop the Cowboys or something like that? And I, don't, I just don't really see that. I think it's a new year. Yeah. And you bring on the Packers, maybe it's next year yeah. we're going to talk about. I originally had them as a pretender, but I think I'm going to flip it to contender. Mm-hmm. I think we both have them there. Yeah. And I think it, it just boils down to with Aaron Rodgers at the helm on this team um, and having Lambeau. I mean, just uh, you, don't, you don't often in the NFL talk about a stadium or an environment like you would in the college game. I think that plays a big part in the college game. But I think mm-hmm. in the NFL, you don't often talk about, oh, we're going to Mile High Stadium or oh, we're going to Link Financial. It's going to be a really hard game to battle out. Mm-hmm. But I think Lambeau is one of those really unique places that it can take over a game. When you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who – can make plays even if he's having the worst game of his career. He can still go out there and make the play with the game on the line, um, completely ice in his veins, sort of thing. So yeah. I think that the Packers are a team that, I mean, they're balanced. I mean, AJ Dillon looks good. I mean, yeah. he's yeah. not even the team star. It's sort of like the James Conner thing we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, and that the team's backup running back. 
Um, I think that's kind of what Zach was talking about a couple weeks ago. Is that even yeah. these guys that are backups can come in and make a real difference, and the teams know how to leverage that and keep fresh legs coming off the bench in terms of running games. I think those are the teams that can succeed, you know, because maybe there's a workhorse running back, um, a team that relies on them too much. Maybe they get worn yeah. down in a playoff game and, and stop being on chump up runs. But when you have a balanced attack, you can pass the ball, you can run the ball, you have a lot of different guys that can run the ball. I think that only works in your favor. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're kind of pointing the fact that like, the Packers are sort of like a weird team where you don't really know where to place them because we've seen this a couple of times. Like two seasons ago, obviously, they, they ran into the 49ers in the NFC Championship. But in my mind, I was like, oh, 49ers are going to destroy them. I mean, that defense, I mean, the Packers had no chance against that defense. And Aaron Rodgers had no time to throw the ball at all. And if you had watched that season, I'd say, yeah, of course, the, the Packers, you know, I think they finished 14-3 and three or like 13-4 and four or something like that. Or sorry, 13-3, and three, back when we had 16 games. Um, and everyone's like, you know, the, the, the top of the NFC, and I'm like, who have they played? Like, who have they beaten? They've had, like, a couple of, like, fluke wins and, like, close wins. But, you know, I just really didn't see anything from the Packers that year. This kind of reminds me of that team. Um, the only difference that it might make, you know, like you said, A.J. Dillon is, like, a good guy to go along with Aaron Jones. Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the league, and I can just envision the future in which Aaron Rodgers is throwing some crazy path to Devontae Adams to, to win a playoff game or whatnot. Um, Lambeau in the winter, in the playoffs, with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, um, I'm kind of scared of, it, again, of that team, and I think they're probably going to be able to compete against any of the cream of the crop of the NFC. Yeah, I, I think that another team we're going to talk about next, back mm-hmm. in the AFC, the yeah. Chiefs, is another one that... Like we really don't know what to make of this team. Right, I mean, their right. defense has struggled this season. I mean, that was kind of apparent really early on. So this team was going to be not the same Chiefs team that we've seen in the past. It's a team that, um, I mean, that kind of lines with the theory you have, Nikki, that this team's kind of on the end of its run and mm-hmm. is going to need to rebuild a little bit. I think that, I mean, this is a defense definitely feels like it needs to rebuild a little bit. But Patrick Mahomes, I think, is really where the question marks are. I think if people are wondering, you know, is he playing sloppy or are these, because they're turning the ball over a lot. I mean, they have a really poor turnover differential. And I think you're wondering, mm-hmm. is it the Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I don't think anyone thinks that he's not a good player anymore. I don't think people think yeah. he's for athletic fool, but is it that he, the Chiefs just aren't good enough to, to for him to be able to play as he is? Or is he having a rough stretch, you know, and maybe he's, you know, just having a rough stretch, he's going to break out, he's going to make plays, and I, I do think he's going to. I'm going to bet on Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. getting back to form, the Chiefs being able to do enough to be contenders. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to say, slam dunk, that they're going to be able to make a push and correct and right the ship, similar like the way the Bucs did in the second half of the year, kind of just rattle off a bunch of wins and take the momentum. I don't think they're going to do it the same way just because of how many holes they have on that defense. But I think they have enough to, you know, sneak in there with a record similar to like a nine and eight or maybe a 10 and seven, I guess it would be now kind of like you were saying. But I think this is a team that I still think they can make a good push. Yeah. They're kind of like a weird case this year because they're playing in a very weak division. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say weak, but it's a close division in the sense that, you know, they might be able to win the division at nine and eight and make it in the playoffs get home field advantage. They have a bye in week 12, and so, like you said, the Bucks last year, we sort of saw them, like, rounding into form late in the season. I think we might see the Chiefs, like, a lot of times it looks like they're playing and they just don't really care about, like, winning in the game. And, and that, honestly, <laughs> I, might be true a little bit. Um, like I said, it's a long season. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't want anyone to get injured. And if they rack off four or five straight wins, which I think we wouldn't be surprised if they did that at all, then all of a sudden it's the Chiefs there at the fourth season playoffs and you're playing at Arrowhead, you know? So, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know if I buy that they're going to be able to make a, a real push, you know, win two and three of those games. Um, I think if they, in the divisional round, go up against, let's say, the Patriots, the Bills, the Ravens, something like that, they're really going to get exposed for the pretender that I, I believe that they are. 
Um, we've said that they have no defense. Um, I think they, they would just get the ball around on them. I, I don't think they're going to stop anything. And I think the game plan against Patrick Mahomes is, okay, we can't stop him, just don't give him the ball. I mean, especially this season, and you do give him the ball, he gives it right back. So it doesn't really matter um, if Patrick Mahomes really can't figure it out. So I think I bet on them to make the playoffs, but, you know, I really don't see them going any further. All right, so we've done kind of the look back on what Nick and I thought about the NFL a few weeks ago. We've talked about what the state of things are and what we think they're going to be. We've given you our contenders, pretenders. And now we're going to kind of round our NFL talk today with our Thursday Night Football prediction. We have the Patriots team I've been talking a lot about today with the, against the Falcons, a team that we haven't actually – I don't think we've talked about them once. Yeah, today. there is no reason to talk about the Falcons. Uh, yeah. I think you should probably bet against the Falcons any chance you get. Um, they have a tendency to blow games. They have a tendency to get blown out in many games. I think we, we saw that today against the Cowboys, who absolutely destroyed them. It was a joy for me to see. I think the Patriots are going to do something similar to them. We see that they're kind of getting getting their mojo. Mac Jones in the offense looks great. The defense stat is always Bill Belichick. Always Bill Belichick. So I have the Patriots winning 41-17. I think they're going to just be relentless and uh, get a win when they need it. Yeah, I'm going to go a little different route. I mean, I think the Patriots are taking care of business, but I could see on a short week, Thursday Night Football, if this game's on a Sunday, I'm taking them to put over a 30 spot. But I think, you know, on Thursday Night Football, on a short week, the Patriots come out with a huge win against the Browns. I mean, like you said, Nick, it is a Browns team that isn't at full strength, but still, you're beating the Browns, a team that was coming in, but people thought had Super Bowl expectations. So I think beating the Browns in, in, in the fashion that they did, coming in off a short week, I can easily see them, you know, struggling to put up as many points, kind of having... Maybe a rough start. Maybe Mac Jones throws an interception early, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe they take it home 24, 27, they put up, and then maybe Falcons at 20. I think it's maybe a one score game, but I yeah. do think the Patriots are going to be able to get, I think, mm-hmm. Belichick, like you said, when the game's on the line, he can close out the game. I think the Falcons have trouble doing that right now, so I think yeah. that'll be the difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then now we've wrapped up Thursday Night Football. We're going to jump into our pen football like we highlighted at the start. This is the team's final game of the season. We won't be talking about pen football anymore. Um, maybe in the offseason there's some stuff going on, but I think it's been pretty quiet in terms of the football front. So um, what do you think, Nikki, in this final game? Give us well, prediction. Joey, there's no reason to believe it. You really shouldn't believe it. But I think that Penn is going to beat Princeton. Princeton is going to be visiting Franklin Field, and I think Penn is going to squeeze out a 30-27 to victory. I think they're just going to blow everyone's expectations here. I think uh, Princeton might not come prepared, and I think we're going to spoil their season here. Uh, Penn is not playing for a lot. They're playing for their pride, and, you know, that's pretty damn important. So I think Penn might just show out. I think they're maybe sick and tired of losing the season, th- sick and tired of the things that we've been writing about them and the uh, rumors of Priori and, and whatnot. But uh, I think ultimately Dartmouth is going to take the Ivy League crown, and I think Penn is going to spoil Princeton's season. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I'm picking Princeton. I know you're wrong. Yeah. I'm picking Princeton in the game, but I, I, I like everything you're saying. I think that we've I think that, I mean, obviously Penn does not get the media coverage that, you know, a big Power 5 program would. But I think if it, if it did, I think there would be a lot of priori rumors. There would be a lot of talk about quarterback controversy. We, there's just been a lot of storylines around Penn football. And really a team that I don't think anyone expected them to contend this year. I think they yeah. case where this is a rebuilding team. I think that we saw that what they did against Harvard. They came out with trick plays. They came out trying to win. And they just went the wrong way, those trick plays. They just did. Yeah, I think if maybe one or two of those hits, could easily see your prediction coming mm-hmm. true. And Penn taking home, but I think there's one way to find out. Come out to Franklin Field. It's the last game of the season. Come out, support the team, see what see what's going on. But um, I think that's all all for our football talk, Nikki. I'm gonna pass the torch over to you now to do. I think I think everybody's favorite part, far, favorite part of the show. We're gonna do our Browns and Grizzlies check in, and I'm gonna hand it off to you and kind of go hands off and let you kind of take us through what we need to know.
Okay, like my friend said, we're going to be concluding this episode of Quaker Nation with our Grizzlies and Browns check-in. So I'm going to start it off with the Grizzlies. Um, they're, uh, I don't know what to say about the Grizzlies. They're okay. I mean, this is kind of what we've expected from this year. Um, like I've, I've harped on, they've traded away Jonas Valanciunas last season, who, if you watch, was the team's best player. They're making a little bit more room for Jaron Jackson, making room for Zaire, who they traded up to draft, making some room for Jaw to do his thing. I'm going to talk about him in a second. But, you know, they they have three straight losses. They're losing to some mediocre teams, to be honest. And I think we can really expect this. You know, like I just said, they're, they're simply not going to be that great this year. Their story is going to be in the future. And they're very much what I would just say a 500 team. Um, they've, they've had some great wins. Honestly, they have the only win against the Warriors, who are 10-1, 11-1, as it is right now. Um, they have two good wins against the Nuggets, who, again, Jokic is one of the best players in the league right now. You can see that he's absolutely carrying that team, doing everything he can without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Um, but, you know, they're getting those wins, but they're also getting destroyed by the Heat and getting destroyed by the Wizards, who, you know, are good teams, but... You know, the Grizzlies, if they're going to be a good slash great team, you know, a 5-4 seed in the West, they're going to need to be competitive in at least some of those games. On the positive side, Jaw is taking the leap. Quote-unquote, taking the leap, it's a thing that we say. He's going to be an all-NBA guy this year. That's my prediction. I've been saying it <clears throat> quite a bit. His off nights are like 22 points, efficient shooting, and like 8 assists. He had a near triple-double and a loss uh, last night. I think the real question for him specifically is going to be his shooting, um, and I think it's going to be his ability to get defenders to respect his shooting and, and open up more driving opportunities, opening up more opportunities for uh, you know help defense and exposing switches on defense. I can't, I, I just can't say that we can expect too much this season. Like I said, the trade away Jonas, Stephen Adams is not as great as you would really think. I, I kind of think he's a temporary piece. Um, to be honest, like I think Taylor Jenkins sort of knows this is just not their window. Um, there's other guys and other teams in the league who this is sort of their, their time. Um, and I think it's just going to take a, a year or two for Jaw to sort of take that next leap and sort of have the team build around him. One of those major pieces that I see is Jaron Jackson Jr. He's a really good defender right now, but I think he needs to learn how to use his body more on defense. He's fouling quite a bit. And ultimately, he just needs to be more consistent in terms of his shooting, in terms of staying on the on the floor both in the game and just in terms of fouling and obviously off the court with his injuries. Um, I just talked about Steven Adams a little bit. He's, he's really not great as a defender in terms of switching. He can sort of get exposed when you sort of do those pitch and roll, pick and roll switches, and he's not as really mobile as one would expect or hope. And so he's really not going to be that defensive anchor that the Grizzlies might need to complement guys like Jaw and Jaron. For forwards and guards, we have other weapons. Desmond Bain and D'Anthony Melton are both taking real steps. They're both great shooters, both willing scorers. They're really hustle players. Um, I think they fit in great to the Memphis culture. They're great counterparts to, to Jaw. And Dylan Brooks also uh, missed some games early on in the season due to a broken hand. But I think it's really going to take a second for him to gel back into the team. Uh, we've seen him back for a couple games, but not really making the impact that we, we, we know he can. But I think, you know, it, they're an interesting team because we've seen them show flashes against, like, Golden State. Early in the season, they had a great game against the Lakers. Jaw put up a 40-piece when we really saw him, like, breaking out this season. He showed his superstar potential in closing out games. Unfortunately, he missed one free throw at the end, but it happens. I think it's a learning experience. Um, likewise, another game early on the season, uh, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., 
both hit clutch threes to close out a Clippers game. And that's the type of team uh, that they're going to need to beat come playoff time if they, if they do squeeze in. And I think this is good, you know, gaining experience, closing out moments like this. But, you know, for Jaw especially, he's making mistakes early in the season. And that's what you like to see. I mean, he's a young player. This is great for them. And I think the fact that they're competing in any games is just good for their experience and good for their ability to close out games in the playoffs. Know the type of environment, play smart, uh, be comfortable in those moments and, and want those moments, which I think we've seen Jaw say he wants those moments. So I think... You know, there's a lot of good here for the Grizzlies, but ultimately they're sitting at five and six right now. I still think they're a playoff team, but I still don't see them doing anything, obviously, um, any, any deep run. But, you know, I'm hoping that they can get into the playoffs and get a win. So getting away from the Grizzlies a little bit, we're going to talk about the Browns. The Browns had a very, very pitiful loss against the Patriots today. They got... Just, I don't know, I'm running out of verbs. There's too many verbs. Decimated, destroyed, obliterated, whatever. 45 to 7, it was just not good for them at all. Granted, the real update with the Cleveland Browns is really just their injury list each week. We saw Baker go down again. Odell's obviously off the team. Hunt is injured. Chubb has COVID now. He's not playing. And so, you know, they got thrashed by Mac Jones. I mean, what are you going to do? But, you know, they're sitting at... Five and five right now. They're just in a tough division. I think, I don't know. I, it's too late to give up on the Browns. I mean, I just don't know what they're really, I, I don't know what their plan is for the rest of the season. And their defense is really not what we were going to hope it was. It's it's getting destroyed by mediocre offenses. And we can really see that it's kind of like uh, Penn's defense where like it, it's not a great defense, but it can get you some stops and get you key plays when you need it. But when your offense is not clicking, it's just not going to really do much for you. So, ultimately, I really hope that the Browns can squeeze in the playoffs. I think they're capable of it. They're really, it's really going to depend on their health and depend on how they close out the uh, late season. But, like I said, we've been stressing Bengals, Ravens, Steelers. It's a tough division. And when you are closing out with a lot of divisional games in a long season, you can kind of just get worn out and, you know, not have the motivation every single week to bring it and say, we need this win, we need this win, we need this win. And, you know, uh, I just don't think this is the year for the Browns. And, Sometimes it's just, you know, we saw it with the 49ers last year, injuries, 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 and that's kind of the story of the year for the Browns. We sort of got used to all this COVID protocol stuff. Oh, this person's out for two weeks with COVID. But, you know, it's it's really something that we're kind of, it's still very foreign territory to us. It's, it's weird that after only a season, you know, this COVID thing is kind of just ordinary now where it's like, oh, Rogers is out for two weeks with COVID, you know, Nick Chubb is out for two weeks with COVID, and they're just coming back two weeks later. But... Uh, that really might be the difference maker for the Browns this season. They really need to get their players healthy. And, you know, Baker Mayfield going down today obviously is not going to help them. We're going to see how that develops. But um, tough season for the Browns. I really had high hopes for them. But, you know, I, I just I don't even think they were worthy of putting in contenders or pretenders because I don't I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. And that's a sad realization. But I don't think there's, you know, I'm down right now, obviously, for this season. It's depressing. But I think they're going to come back bigger and better next season. And I hope they bring back Dave uh, Baker. I mean, that guy is tough, and he wants to be the quarterback for that team. And so, you know, hope he gets back on the field soon. Hope everyone in the Browns gets back on the field soon. And, um, yeah, that wraps up Episode 4 of Quaker Nation. See you guys soon for our basketball edition.